Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 44 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on getting an overview of the Book of Romans and learning some background information about Paul, the author of Romans. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. To get the most of this podcast, it would be good for you to take about five minutes to read Romans chapter one. Or if you want to get a good overview of the book, uh, take about an hour to read the entire book of Romans. Let's get started. The book of Romans is a letter written by Paul, the apostle, to Christians in Rome. In this letter, Paul addresses the essentials of the message of God's salvation, which is given to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Let us take a look at some facts about Paul, the author of Romans. After that, I will give a brief summary of the message of the book of Romans. There are nine characteristics of Paul that I would like to look at. We will look at the first seven of these nine characteristics of Paul in this episode. Uh, these are the nine characteristics of Paul. One, Paul the citizen. Two, Paul the Pharisee. Three, Paul the zealot and uh, persecutor. Four, Paul's conversion. Five, Paul in preparation. Six, Paul's ministry in the local church in Antioch. Seven, Paul the missionary. 8. Paul the Servant of Christ. 9. Paul the Apostle. First, let us look at Paul the Citizen. Paul was a Jew and was from the tribe of Benjamin. Like all Jewish males, he was circumcised when he was eight days old. Paul was born in the Roman province of Cilicia in a city called Tarsus. See Acts chapter 21 verse 39 in Acts chapter 22, verse 3. Earlier in his life, he went by the name of Saul. He was born a Roman citizen, Acts 22, verse 28. Before the time of Rome, Cilicia was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. Later, that region was taken over by the Greeks and then later by the Romans. Passages about Cilicia include these passages in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 9, chapter 15, verse 23 and 41, chapter 21, verse 39, chapter 22, verse 3, 23, chapter 23, verse 34, uh, chapter 27, verse 5. And Cilicia is also mentioned in Galatians chapter 1, verse 21. Although Paul was born in Tarsus, he was raised in Jerusalem and was taught by the Jewish teacher Gamaliel. Second of all, Paul was a Pharisee. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Pharisee as to the law in his zeal for God Based on his beliefs, he persecuted the church. He was blameless as to the righteousness of the law. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul gave up his self-righteousness for the righteousness of God that depends on faith, so that he might know the righteousness of God that depends on faith, 
and he, that he might know Christ and the power of Christ's resurrection with the hope of attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See Philippians chapter 3, verses 5 to 11. Pharisees sought to please God by keeping God's law and the tradition of the elders, which was not a part of God's law, and some of those traditions contradicted God's law. The Pharisees fasted often, according to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. The Pharisees were judgmental of others who did not practice their faith in God in the same way they uh, worshipped God. For example, we find this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 2. The Pharisees added to the Bible regulations of the traditions of the elders, such as rituals and washing hands before they ate food, according to Matthew chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus called the Pharisees blind guides of the blind, Matthew chapter 15, verses 12 to 14. If we look at Matthew chapter 23, verses 13 to 33, we can learn some more about the Pharisees. Jesus was critical of some of the Pharisees. Jesus criticized the Pharisees that although they fully tithed, they left undone the more important parts of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faith. They should have tithed and not ignored these more important areas of God's law. The Pharisees appeared righteous on the outside, but they practiced extortion and unrighteousness. They were hypocrites and practiced sin while appearing righteous on the outside. They were not really righteous. Keep in mind here, Jesus was criticizing some Pharisees and not all Pharisees. By the way, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who pretends to be something that they're not really are. So the Pharisees pretended to be righteous by their outward religious acts, but their lives were uh, inconsistent with living that kind of life that God wanted them to live. Some of the Pharisees in Jesus' day were lovers of many. We see in Luke chapter 16, verse 14. Some Pharisees were self-righteous and thought that they were better than other people. See Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. They failed to see their own sins that needed to be forgiven. There were some good Pharisees who believed in Jesus, such as Nicodemus. Uh, you can read about that in John chapter 3. The Pharisees had enough influence and power to kick out of the synagogue those who believed in Jesus. See John chapter 9, verses 13 and 22, and John chapter 12, verse 42. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, in angels, and in spirits. Acts chapter 23, verse 8. As a Pharisee, Paul sought to please God through good works and keeping God's law. This led him to persecute Christians who he believed were teaching false doctrine by teaching that Jesus was the Christ. Paul approved of Stephen's execution because of Stephen's faith in God and his belief in Jesus Christ. We see about this in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, and Acts chapter 22, verse 20. Those who opposed Stephen were of various synagogues, including ones in Cilicia, where Paul was from. See Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Paul persecuted the Christians by arresting them and bringing them to the high priest.
Paul dragged Christians off to prison. Now we want to look at Paul the Zealot. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, quote, Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for Israel, that they may be saved. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they didn't subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the fulfillment of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. What Paul says about unsaved Israel could also be said about Paul before his conversion. Paul had a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He was zealous and consumed with doing what he thought was God's will, but it was not God's will. It is very important to take time to ponder and find the truth before you become zealous for something. Jesus told his disciples shortly before his crucifixion the following, quote, I have said these things to you so that you wouldn't be caused to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time comes that whoever kills you will think that he offers service to God. In quote, John chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. Have you ever heard a parent say something like the following about their children? I will let my child choose their own religion or religious beliefs. Or I will let my child choose their own gender. Such statements indicates that the parent really does not believe in the truth about God. The truth matters. Theism and atheism cannot both be true. It cannot be true that there is a God and also be true there is no God. Jesus said he was the only way to God the Father. That's in John chapter 14 verse 6. That cannot be true if there are other ways to God. I believe Jesus is the only way to God. Religion may have subjective benefits for a person, whether true or not, but still there is objective truth. Even religions that are not true may have benefits for the believer, such as it makes them a better person, but it still matters whether the religion is true or not. There will be consequences based on whether the religion is objectively true or not. Either life ends when we die, or we will continue to exist after we die. Both cannot be true and it's important to know which of these two are true. If we continue to exist after we die, it is important to know whether there is a heaven or a hell and what it takes to get to heaven. If you believe wrong, it will have eternal consequences. If you really love your children, why would you let them choose something that is not true that will affect them negatively for eternity? Parents must seek and know the truth and teach their children the truth of and protect their children from false ideas. As their children reach the age of 12 or so and start to develop the ability to reason, it is important to teach them not only what they should believe, but why uh, what you believe is true. You want to encourage your children to know the truth and know why it is true for themselves. It is important, of course, for the parent to be sure of the truth. Paul was mistaken about the truth 
until Jesus appeared to him and convinced Paul of the truth. Jesus says the following about a person desiring to do God the Father's will. Quote, If anyone desires to do his will, he will know about the teaching, whether it is from God or if I am speaking from myself. End quote. John chapter 7, verse 17. Now let's look at Paul's conversion. The account of Paul's conversion is found in Acts chapters 9, chapter 22, and chapter 26. In the account in Acts chapter 9, Paul was given written permission from the high priest in Jerusalem to go to the synagogues of Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them bound to Jerusalem. Paul also arrested and beat Christians in the synagogues, according to Acts chapter 22, verse 19. When Paul got close to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Paul and asked him why he was persecuting Jesus. Paul was called Saul at this point in time. Paul asked Jesus who he was, and Jesus said, quote, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, end quote. Acts chapter 9, verse 5. Paul became blind from this vision of Jesus. Jesus told Paul to go into Damascus, and there he would be told what he must do. Those with Paul led him to Damascus. Paul was blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink for three days. God then spoke to Ananias, who was a disciple of Christ in Damascus, and told him to go to Paul, who was receiving a vision of Ananias coming to him and laying his hands on Paul, so that Paul might regain his sight. God told Ananias that Paul was God's chosen vessel to take the Lord's name before the nations and kings and the children of Israel. Ananias was told that the Lord will show Paul many things he must suffer for the Lord's name's sake. Ananias went to Paul and told Paul that the Lord had sent him so Paul could be healed of his blindness and be filled with the Holy Spirit. After Paul received his sight, he was baptized, and Ananias told him to call upon the name of the Lord for his sins to be forgiven. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Paul then stayed several days with the disciples at Damascus. Number five, Paul in preparation. After Paul's conversion, he at once began to preach that Jesus was the Christ in the city of Damascus. As a result, Jews began to persecute Paul. They planned to kill Paul, but disciples of Christ helped Paul escape Damascus by putting him in a basket and letting him down over the wall of the city. Paul then went to Jerusalem and tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were afraid of him and did not trust that he had really become a Christian. Then Barnabas took Paul to the apostles and told them of his genuine conversion to Christ and how he put his life at risk preaching Christ in Damascus. Paul then preached boldly about Jesus Christ in Jerusalem, and he disputed with the Hellenists, who were then trying to kill Paul. So Paul was sent off to De Tarsus. Acts chapter 9, verses 22 to verse 30. Paul got his teaching not from the apostles, but from Jesus. Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, quote, But I may note to you, brothers, concerning the good news which was preached by me, that 
It is not according to man. For I didn't receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came to me through revelation of Jesus Christ. End quote. Next, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 24, quote, But when it was the good pleasure of God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia. Then I returned to to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter and stayed with him 15 days. But of the other apostles, I saw no one except James, the Lord's brother. Now about the things which I write to you, behold, before God, I am not lying. Then I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by face to the assemblies of Judea, which were in Christ. But they only heard, He who once persecuted us now preaches the faith that he once tried to destroy. So they glorified God in me. End quote. So I gather that possibly during the period Paul was in Arabia, he received his knowledge of the gospel directly from Jesus Christ. It was in Arabia that Moses received God's revelation on Mount Sinai, which is in Arabia. See Galatians chapter 4, verse 25. Elijah the prophet also went to Arabia and got a revelation from God. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 to 21. Another name for Mount Sinai is Mount Horeb. It is interesting that God told Elijah when he was in Arabia to go to Damascus. See 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. Paul also left Arabia, then went to Damascus, and after three years he went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Syria includes the cities of Damascus and Antioch. Syria and Cilicia are close geographically. Paul's birthplace was in Tarsus, which is in Cilicia. Now for number six, Paul's ministry in the local church in Antioch. Barnabas recruited Paul to help him in his outreach to Antioch, according to Acts chapter 11, verses 25 to 26, and Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Paul's early ministry was in the regions of Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, where he ministered to Gentiles, according to Acts chapter 15, verse 23. Number seven, Paul as a missionary. While Paul was ministering with Barnabas and others in Antioch in Syria, the Holy Spirit instructed the local church in Antioch to send Barnabas and Paul out on a missionary journey to minister to Gentiles in the Roman Empire west of Syria and Cilicia. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 4 says, quote, Now in the assembly that was at Antioch, there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaan, the foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they served the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate Barnabas and Saul for me, for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, 
they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there, they sailed to Cyprus, end quote. Paul began his second missionary journey with Silas in the area of Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the assemblies or churches, according to Acts chapter 15, verse 41. So Antioch appears to have been Paul's first pastorate, possibly as an associate to Barnabas. Thus far we have looked at Paul in the seven following roles. One, Paul the citizen. Two, Paul the Pharisee. Three, Paul the zealot and persecutor. Four, Paul's conversion. Five, Paul in preparation. Six, Paul's ministry in the local church in Antioch. And seven, Paul the missionary. In the next episode, we will look at Paul as the servant of Christ and Paul as an apostle. What are some lessons we should learn from this episode? One, that any ministry takes a period of preparation. Paul's whole life before becoming a follower of Jesus involved years of studying God's word. God used his past study of God's word to help prepare Paul for his future time as a Christian. Two, Paul needed further preparation after his conversion. He got his gospel from a revelation of Jesus Christ. This was unique to Paul because he was uh, called to be an apostle. Today we receive no new revelation about God other than the Bible. We are not apostles. So today God speaks to and reveals his will to us from the Bible. All of us, whether clergy or not, have a ministry and we must study God's word and spend time in prayer for whatever our ministry may be. A third lesson that we can learn from this episode is Paul needed to start off small and learn from others and minister with others in a local church before God was ready to send Paul out as a missionary. And when Paul was sent out as a missionary, he did not go out by himself. God sent him out with Barnabas. A fourth lesson that we can learn from this episode is Paul as a missionary worked as a team with others. Paul taught others to be disciples and disciple makers. Paul had Barnabas and Silas as co-workers in his ministry. But Paul also had assistants to help him such as Timothy, Titus, and, and Epaphroditus. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 25, quote, but I counted it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your apostle and servant of my need. End quote. So Epaphroditus not only ministered with Paul, but served the needs of Paul. Epaphroditus ministered to Paul's needs. Uh, Paul says something similar about Titus in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, which says, quote, as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for you, end quote. Acts chapter 19, verse 22, refers to Timothy and Erastus as two of Paul's helpers. Acts chapter 19, verse 22. In Romans 16, Paul gives a long list of fellow workers that assist him in his ministry. Before concluding this episode, let us look at a brief summary of the book of Romans. 
Paul in the book of Romans shows that God is righteous, and since God is righteous, he must punish sin. However, all have sinned, and therefore all are subject to God's wrath. All Jews and all Gentiles, in other words, all people other than Jesus Christ, have sinned. Paul starts with showing how the Jews have sinned. God gave to the Jews in the Old Testament the gift of God's law. What can be theoretically justified by keeping God's law, but no one other than Jesus Christ has fully obeyed God all the time? The Jews were blessed to have the Old Testament scriptures, but knowing God's law and teaching God's law is not enough. One must fully obey God's law, and no one except for Jesus has fully obeyed God. So the Jews have sinned against God and need God's salvation in Jesus Christ. The Gentiles also have failed to obey God's law. All have sinned and fall short of God's standards of righteousness. Salvation from sin and God's wrath is not through the law, but is through God imputing righteousness to those who have faith in God. Paul gives the example of Abraham. God declared Abraham to be justified by his faith in God apart from the law. The law of circumcision was given to Abraham after God had accounted Abraham's faith as righteousness. And you can look at that in Genesis chapter 15. It's Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And it wasn't until chapter 17 that God uh, gave the covenant of, of circumcision. All humans are sinful and enslaved to sin before they come to have faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning death on the cross for their sins. If a person tries to live good apart from faith in God, they are unable to do so. God's law is good, but because of our sinful nature, it causes us to rebel even more against God. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to sin, and God raised Jesus from the dead. When a believer in Jesus Christ accepts Christ, they are baptized into Christ's death. They die with Christ to sin, and God raises them up with Christ to live a holy life. Christians are able to live holy lives after having faith in Christ because God gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to live for God and for his Christ. While many Jews have rejected Christ, if they will have faith in Jesus Christ, then God will graft them back into unity with God and Christ. Those who confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead will be saved. Salvation by grace through faith does not give the Christian a license to sin, but empowers the Christian to live a life of obedience and faith in, in God. Christians are to give themselves as a living sacrifice of service to God. They are not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, but should use the spiritual gifts God has given them to serve God. They should use their gift to the measure of faith God has given them. Paul then lists some samples of how a Christian is to live out their life in service to God and others. Christians are to obey the laws of the government. Love is the fulfillment of God's law. Christians are not to walk in sin. Christians are to live lives so as not to be the cause for others to fall away from God. Christians are to seek to strengthen other believers. Christians are to help bear the weaknesses of the weak and try not to please themselves. Christ came to save the Gentiles and not just the Jews. 
Paul was called to reach the Gentiles for Christ. Paul intends to visit Rome on his way to Spain. Paul, with others, sent greetings to those in Rome, which included some of Paul's fellow workers. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.